Good morning. <clears throat> Hope you all were blessed uh, with that worship time. I'm excited to um, be able to share God's word this morning with everyone. Um, uh, it just always happens this way. I mean, <clears throat> whenever you are preparing to share God's word, it just um, it just increases your faith and. Um, that's why, um, I mean, as we, I'm sure as those of you who have led Bible studies or been Bible class teachers or Awana teachers, you know, I mean, you, you benefit as much as the students that you're, you're teaching. And so, um, you know, as, as we're going to be uh, needing Awana volunteers, I, you know, I encourage you to get involved in that ministry. It'll just bless you as, as much as it's a blessing to the to the children and in any way you can. Um, but um, I thank Eric for uh, 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 doing, and Eric and Christina doing the Because He Lives song. I, I asked them to do that this morning. And uh, because the passage we're going to look at um, talks about believing, believing in his name. And, um, and uh, so we just declared that. And it's, it's such a blessing for those who believe and you know, as we're going through John, John's purpose for writing the book was uh, to, uh, to share with us to believe. But I wanted to start with just sharing, um, why do we do this? And um, you say, why do we do what? You know, why do we come together? Why do we come together to have some guy up here, you know, open this book, read from it? talk about what he thinks it says, what it means. Um, why do we come together each Sunday morning, um, sing some songs, listen to a man, teach from the Bible? I want you to just start off by turning to 2 Corinthians 10, and, and I'm gonna, we're going to read a passage together, 2 Corinthians 10, um, and go to uh, verse 7, and then we're going to uh, read together 7 through 18. And this is going to um, tell you what, what is on our hearts as to why, why we do this. I mean, the New Testament didn't really give a prescription as to, you know, what we could do on Sundays, you know, but there's some ideas and principles on what they did. It says when they came together, they, they did these things. But um, we're going to tell you, you know, what are some of our purposes of, of why we do what we do here. So let me start reading in, in verse 7. I'm sorry, did I say first Corinthians? Second, yes, yeah, Second Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 7. Okay. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone, This is Paul kind of defending his ministry, okay, to the Corinthians. Look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so also are we. For even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. I do not want to appear to be frightening you with my letters, for they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. Let such a person understand that what we say by letter when absent, we do when present." Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, 
But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you, for we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Now, I'm not sure if any of us four elders had anything to do with you're coming to Christ or not. Maybe some did, maybe some didn't. Um, uh, but um, Paul is saying that he did go to the Corinthians first, and he, he, he did have something to do with some of them coming to know Christ to begin with. But I just wanted to say that our desire and prayer for, for you all, um, it comes back to this verse, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. And... Um, our desire and prayer is that your faith and ours increases, and as it increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. In the context here, um, Paul was basically, in my understanding, talking to the believers about growing in their faith to the point where Paul, who was called to be an apostle, which you know means sent one or kind of like a, what we would call a missionary in these days, could go out and continue to um, go to new lands to establish new churches. Um, but how, how God wants to use LHBC in influencing this city and this state and this country, this world, is something we are eagerly looking forward to. And um, for those of you who haven't been around a long time, this church already has a, a past history of sending out ones to establish um, two new churches in the state of Missouri. Um, there was a, gr- a group of people that left this church that were sent out and started a church in Blue Springs, and then one in St. Louis. However, that church is no longer, but the, the, the uh, individual family that was sent out there is now pastoring another church in St. Louis. And then also uh, from LHBC, a family was sent out and is now having a wonderful influence in the lives of many in Uganda. So this is... My question is, do you believe God is going to use this body that we have here to make greater impacts in years to come. That's our desire, is that our faith together will increase to where God will continue to do things of this nature in this city, in this state, in this country, and even beyond. And and we believe, that's what we're believing God for. And we want you all to believe God with us for that. So, So what is our plan? Again, we come back to the question, why do we do this, you know, um, what is our plan to aid in increasing our mutual faith? So um, let's look how Jesus did it. Okay, so turn to Luke 24. You'll notice I'm not, I'm not in John yet. Okay, <laughs> I just want to, uh, there's a verse in Peter where he says, you know, I have no problem uh, telling you these things by way of reminder 
And I think it's important sometimes to just go back and remind us, you know, why we do what we do. So we don't get in the habit of like, oh, we just come to church to check off a box, you know, a checklist. I did my church duty this week. Um, but no, we have a, an intentional purpose for what we're doing every week. So um, this is how Jesus um, was intentional about increasing the disciples' faith. And this is really interesting. Okay, so in Luke 24, I'll tell you the, the um, passages in a minute. But this is the story where um, after the crucifixion and after he rose from the dead, there were the two disciples that were on the road to Emmaus, okay, if you kind of remember that story. Um, and let's pick up in, um, well, so Jesus joins them. There's these two guys walking, and Jesus joins them and starts having a conversation with them. They don't know it's Jesus, though, because he he's in a form uh, that they don't recognize that it's him. He's not really revealing himself to them. Um in his resurrected form, okay? Uh, but let's go down to um, verse 25 of, of chapter 24, Luke 24. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Okay, so these two disciples, they didn't really believe that he had risen from the dead. They didn't really believe in the resurrection yet. I mean, uh, they, they were slow to believe, like, did this really happen? Did he really believe, rise from the dead? Is, is, is he really resurrected? Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, being Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So how did Jesus build their faith? You know, they, they were slow of heart to believe. He opened the scriptures to them, and he taught them from the scriptures, okay? And later on, the end of that story is they were like, oh, that was Jesus who was talking to us. Did We should have known that. And, and, and they kind of kicked themselves for not believing. And then later on, if you go down to verse 36... When Jesus appears to more of the disciples, it says, As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Again, they're still, here he is right in front of them and they're, I don't know if I believe that, you know, you really rose from the dead. See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And, And get this next verse. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of boiled fish, and he took and ate it before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then what did he do? You know, they were still disbelieving. They had doubts. What did he do to increase their faith? Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, 
Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So what Jesus did was he taught what the scriptures meant to the disciples. This is how Jesus increased their faith, and this is why we do what we do. We get up here, we, we take opportunities, and this isn't the only opportunity that we, we do this, to take time to teach what the scriptures mean. Okay, um, how did Paul do it? I'll just, won't go there, I'll just kind of quote the verses, um, or you don't have to turn there, but... Um, Paul taught the scriptures and what he learned from Jesus and made application of the believers' lives in order for them to grow more Christ-like. Uh, Paul's the one in Timothy that said, all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And he told Timothy um, to, uh, right after that verse um, in, um, in 4.2, he... Uh, let me just get there real quick. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his living, uh, by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Um, so this is how Jesus went about in trying to uh, increase our faith and how Paul went about trying to increase our faith. And this is what's important. And this is what we talked about, um, believing. And so in my, in my mind, believing our faith can always be increased. You know, I think of, um, I don't want to, you know, this isn't the, this really isn't the message for this morning, but it's just kind of the precursor. But when you think about it, um, you know, how, how much do you pray or do you, do sometimes you, pray a lot. Sometimes you pray a little. Sometimes you're like, wow, I don't hardly pray at all. There are seasons of my life that I prayed that sometimes I don't pray. I mean, sometimes you can, why not? You know, is it because our faith kind of is waning, you know, and um, we need to believe, you know, and if we believe, you know, our, our faith needs to constantly be growing. And And how does it grow? I mean, in Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the more we are in the Word of God, in settings like this where we are being taught the Word of God, men's Bible studies, um, women's Bible studies, life groups, other venues that we have, then our faith has opportunity to grow. Personal, personal time in the Word. You know, we can't discount that, you know. Um, so um, starting next week, you know, this has already been announced through uh, Facebook and emails, and I think uh, we might have announced it here. Starting next week, we are going to add another layer to this by having the message in the first hour from 10 to 11. We'll probably put this out a couple times this week so everyone knows that starting next week, we will not start at 9.30 anymore. We'll start at 10 o'clock. Okay, so another layer of, of doing what we're talking about um, to increase our faith, okay, as Jesus did, as Paul did, is we will have the message in the first hour from 10 to 11, and then we're going to have an application and interaction time in the second hour 
Um, we'll probably need like 15 minutes to transition, so that'll go from about 11.15 to 12 after we break down into smaller groups. So we'll have the message from 10 to 11. We'll break down into um, three smaller groups, and we'll have an interaction time. And again, why, why would we do that? Okay, Because we want to take the word that was taught, and we want to dig deeper into it, we also want to um, uh, do what Ephesians 4 says, the growth of the body will be hindered. It talks about the proper working of each individual part. We recognize that everyone in this room that's a believer has spiritual gifts, okay? And um, for all of you who have been in life groups that know how that interaction takes place, I'm sure that you have been blessed by some something that someone has said, not just, you know, one of the elders. You know, you've someone has said something, they've shared something from a verse, and you've been you probably got more out of that than something that an elder has taught, you know, on the passage. And so this is why we want to break down these smaller groups so that each individual part is 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 contributing. And from the example of the church in Corinth in First Corinthians fourteen twenty six, um, it talks about when you come together, if anyone has a psalm, if anyone has a, a lesson, if anyone has a revelation, you know, there's your opportunity to share it. You know, so um, uh, at the beginning, the elders are going to kind of be facilitating those application and interaction times, but we'll probably, you know, have other people do that, you know, as we as we get going, but we want to kind of get it, get it started uh, that way. And um, so... It, but the purpose of it will be to dig deeper into the messages and, and kind of apply the word to our lives. Um, so anyway, um, that's our desire. And um, the other thing is we have other venues uh, for, for growing our faith. And uh, I'm going to share one of those right now. Um, if Troy could get the lights and um, we'll share this uh, some specific time. So, um, so we're gonna we're gonna live stream uh, this uh, adorned conference, and uh, we want to encourage um, all the women to to go to this if they can um, work out their plans uh, to be able to attend this. Um, again, this is another opportunity to grow in your faith. Um, and uh, just like the women's Bible study has been focusing on the passage in Titus 2, that's what this conference is also going to be about. And um, it's September 29th and 30th. And um, uh, we think it would just be great if the husbands can can work it out to where your wives can actually get away and you can work out a way to, to watch the kids if, if there's kids involved. Um the cost of the conference, the church is trying to uh, supplement things to where the cost can be as minimal as possible. So if uh, there's two women to a room, the cost would be $25. And if there's just, if you want to have room but to yourself, it would be $50. And um, so uh, it starts in the afternoon on the 29th, which is a Friday, and uh, goes through uh, lunchtime on the 30th. Is that right? Oh, or close to dinner time, actually, 4 p.m. on the 30th. So um, if you can't get there, you know, at the, what's that? Yeah, it's local. It's at the, 
Yeah, yeah, not going to Indianapolis. It's going to be at the Fairfield Inn, okay, there by KCI, okay? So, um, so anyway, if you, and if you can't get there, right, you know, for the afternoon sessions on Friday, just, just come when you can come, okay? Yes. Okay. It's, it's live, live simulcast. And, um, so contact Sarah, Amy, Christina, or Lisa. Um, the signups need to be by September 13th so we can let the hotel know how many rooms to reserve. Okay. A block of rooms. They've already, uh, given us a, a discount for so many rooms, but we need to give them a, a final answer. Okay. So anyway, that's that. And I'm out of time. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, well, let's pray before we dig into John here. Father, I just thank you for the worship time this morning and just focused on you. And that's really what this passage is about this morning is, as uh, John the Baptist, he got it, Lord. His disciples didn't quite get it. Uh, and that's what we're going to look at this morning, Father. But I just pray that we would just, if anything, um, be thankful and grateful, Lord, for you this morning, and that we would um, believe deeper. We would believe more than we've believed before we came in this morning, Lord. Our faith would be deeper. Our faith would be stronger um, as a result of this morning. Father, I ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you can turn to John um, 3. Uh, We're going to go uh, John 3, 22 through the end of the book. While you're getting there, I'm just going to tell you again. I'm going to set the context um, again. What's nice about going through the book of John is a lot of books, you know, you're you're going through and you're like... um, well, what's the purpose of that book? You know, and it could just be Paul was writing a letter to the Ephesians or something like this. But with John, it's just it's just flat out a no brainer because right he said in John twenty thirty one, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. He flat out tells us why he wrote the book. And that's just, uh, so it's just, I mean, that this, I'm sure by the end of us going through John, you'll probably have that passage memorized because we're probably going to say it over and over again. But to me, it just, honestly, there's just something about that verse that just solidifies my faith so much because it's like John was a real person, a real person that wrote this book and he lived and he was with Jesus. He walked with Jesus and he saw Jesus do these things, and he recorded them in a book. It's just like if someone, you know, uh, I mean, people write biographies that, like, say they were in Obama's White House, and they were uh, security, uh, whatever they call the Secret Service, and the guy gets out, and then he writes a book about, you know, he was his top security guy, and he writes a biography afterwards. You know, I mean, this is a real-life stuff. And uh, so it just solidifies my faith when you're, when you're reading these things, you know that John was there. Or, or if John wasn't there, he heard about the stories from Jesus or the other people. They were just in close proximity. So 
Um, as we as we continue uh, to read this, um, what's interesting is John. You know, when he when he writes that uh, in John twenty thirty one that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. You know, John's putting his his self on the line by even writing that because Jesus was crucified because he was the Son of God. You know, I mean, in in John nineteen seven it says. The Jews answered him, being Jesus, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the Son of God. So by John identifying, you know, Jesus as the Son of God in this book, he's, he's putting himself out there. And of course, we already know that in the book of Acts, he was put in jail. You know, the angels had to rescue him. And, um, but by God's grace, God allowed the church to continue on. Um, and uh, and John's life was spared along with Peter's, and some didn't make it. Um, but thankfully, John's life was spared, and we have this we have this book. Um, so let's let's just read this. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna read it all, and and then we'll um, come back to it. After this, and after this is the story with Nicodemus. Okay that David was talking about in the Bible class hour. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. And I might just, as a footnote to that real quick, tell you that it wasn't Jesus baptizing, it was his disciples, because over in John 4, it says that although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. So just keep that in mind, that it wasn't when it says that... um, was baptizing, it was his disciples, okay? So John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they, that is John's disciples, came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness... Look, he is baptizing, and all are going to him. John answered, it's a profound statement. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. So if I just set the scene, you have John's disciples and you have Jesus' disciples. And John was baptizing over here and this place, and then G- actually, 
Jesus was, it says Jesus was baptizing, but it was disciples were baptizing over in this other place. And then a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew about purification. Okay, so what's interesting here, though, is um, John's disciples came to John and said, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness, look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. So do you kind of see a disconnect here? Those, the, John's, John's disciples who um, had this discussion with this Jew about purification, you know, that, that's what they were having a discussion about. But then they come to John, John the Baptist and they're like, hey, he's getting more people than you are. So it's like, what happened about the discussion about purification? It's like that kind of got lost in the shuffle. It's like uh, we don't even know what, what went on with that conversation. It's like that, that they, they, they missed the point or that, that wasn't even, for some reason God doesn't, um, it's like it's not important at this point. Um, so um, it's like they missed the obvious. It's like this story here. A customs officer observes a truck pulling up at the border. Suspicious, he orders the driver out and searches the vehicle. He pulls off the panels, bumpers, and wheel cases, but finds not a single scrap of contraband, whereupon, still suspicious, but at a loss to know where else to search, he waves the driver through. The next week, the same driver arrives. Again, the official searches and again finds nothing illicit. Over the years, the official tries full-body searches, x-rays, and sonar, anything he can think of. And each week, the same man drives up, but no mysterious cargo ever appears. And each time, reluctantly, the customs man waves the driver on. Finally, after many years, the officer is about to retire. The driver pulls up. I know you're a smuggler, the customs officer says. Don't bother denying it. But if I can figure out what you've been smuggling all these years... Uh, or, but darned if I can figure out what you've been smuggling all these years. I'm leaving now. I swear to you, I can do you no harm. Won't you please tell me what you've been smuggling? Trucks, the driver says. So that's a funny story about missing the obvious, but John's response to his disciples reveals the real root cause. Um, these guys weren't, it's like someone was talking to them about purification and all they could focus on was this issue of, hey, that guy over there, Jesus, he's getting more people than you. Your numbers are decreasing. His numbers are increasing. So John answers him with this profound statement in verse 27. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. Um and it just reveals that John's disciples were earthly-minded, not heavenly-minded. And the question I have is, how can this earthly-minded thinking, which in this case really reveals John's disciples some root envy and jealousy in them, interfere with God's glory? It's like they didn't get it, right? I mean, John got it. John the Baptist got it. But somehow his disciples didn't get it. They didn't understand what was going on. They didn't, they, they weren't, wow, this is a wonderful thing, you know, that, that all the disciples are going to Jesus and, and we're losing them. Uh, they just didn't get it. But John got it. And um, 
Do you know that song, Yes, They'll Know We Are Christians by Our Love? That's kind of like what's not going on here. You know, these guys are more like, we have our turf, and, and uh, we want to keep our turf, and, and now we're losing it on, over there to his turf. Um, and I just wanted to share, I think, I wanted to share how uh, I feel like sometimes um, we as Christians and believers can, uh, in our earthly-mindedness, when we, when we, when we kind of hold on to earthly-minded thinking, not heavenly-minded thinking, it interferes with God's glory. And um, we went to a funeral yesterday, uh, Lisa, myself, Troy, um, of a man who was a neighbor of ours um, when we lived in Lee Summit. And this was, this was quite, quite a while ago. But we were, really, we were pretty close to them at the time. Uh, my boys were, were young, and they had a young girl uh, that were that kind of grew up together, and so uh, she we homeschooled, but she went to uh, the public school there, and so um, uh, George and Karen, his name was George, George and Karen, they both worked and they had to leave early in the morning, so we we watched her in the morning to get her watch her get on the school bus, and um, and so and then Karen got home, she worked for the postal service, so she was working like six to two thirty or something, so she was home before um, Lisa got off the bus. Lisa was their daughter. And, um, and he uh, sadly died of pancreatic cancer, um, and he was 63 years old. And so that's the, the funeral we went to yesterday. But what's interesting, and, and what I'm trying to bring out here, is um, the neighborhood we lived in, there was us, there was um, uh, some Christians that lived across the street from us that were also their neighbors, uh, the Manginellis, and then there were some Christians that lived down the street from us, uh, Greg and Nancy Gossel, and so we, you know, we we knew that George and Karen were were not believers, and so uh, at the time, the Manginellis went to uh, a certain church, preached the gospel. The Gospels went to a certain church, preached the gospel. We went to a church, preached the gospel. Um, but we all loved on George and Karen, you know, and tried to demonstrate Christ's love to them. And and uh, uh, one of the things that, you know, we did, we, we had a backyard Bible club at our house one time, tried to invite, you know, the Gospels kids. Their kids were the same age as our kids. The Manginellis were all older than us. Uh, but, you know, we, we shared the Gospel, and Lisa came over during that time. Uh, we... Lisa's the daughter, yeah. Lisa came over, and, and, uh, and, and, and we would babysit for them. Um, we were all just working together for the sake of the gospel, for George and Karen's salvation. And um, the Manginellis, this is, Lisa and I were, I, we were trying to recollect this yesterday. This is my recollection of it. But the Manginellis went to um, Colonial Presbyterian Church, and 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 I think it was probably the last Billy Graham crusade that came to town. He was in Arrowhead Stadium, and and I think their church was one of the sponsor churches, and they were counselors, and, and they were telling us about it. And my memory of it is that we, we used that opportunity to invite George and Karen, and they came, and, and, and uh, they didn't, you know, trust Christ at that time, but we, we used... We sprung board off of that to, to be able to go in their home and, and share the gospel. 
as well. I, I, that's what I remember from that. Um, and then what happened later is um, we sold our house to uh, another, some other people that we knew that were believers, and and now they go and they they also go to a Bible believing church that preaches the gospel that's even different than the three churches that we all went to. And yesterday at the service, you just could see God's providence at work all over the place. Okay, because um, George and Karen grew up um, in a traditional Catholic church. Uh, through the years that we knew him, his dad died. We had gone to the, his dad's service, and it was in the Catholic church there. And, um, and yesterday, when we, well, when we found out about the arrangements, it was going to be at Langsford Funeral Home. And it was like, this is interesting. I mean, I wonder why it's not in the Catholic church. You know, I mean, and, uh, and so when we got there, turns out Roy, who we sold our house to, who is on staff at Abundant Life uh, Baptist Church in Lee Summit, was officiating the service. And uh, they've been their neighbors for 17 years. And um, we also discovered, like just a, a few years ago, through Facebook, that Lisa Moore, their daughter, had become a Christian. You know, somewhere along the line, you know, someone plants, someone waters, but God causes the growth. Somewhere along the line, she had become a Christian. And, and, um, and, and, and the way Roy uh, shared yesterday at the service, um, it, it, it's, um, I believe her dad may have become a Christian as well. Don't know about her mom yet. But there was also a postal worker that was there that, you know, her mom worked at the post office and retired from the post office, and he came to the podium and he shared something very pointed at Karen and said, Karen, and he quoted John 3.16, and he said, we're going to take care of you. But he was very much, you could tell, just kind of like trying to emphasize the gospel and believing in Jesus Christ. And it was just, um, it, it's just that, this is kind of what I'm saying about this verse 27, okay? Um, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven, okay? Um, it's not like we were like, oh, well, we're not going to do anything with the Manginellis. They go to a different church, and the Gospels, they go to forget. Uh, we're not participating with you, and th- this is our turf, and and. And George and Karen never, they never ended up going to church with us. I think they went, visited, uh, the church that Roy and Tina, you know, went to with them some. I mean, it's just, we're talking about God is a big God. We don't have a corner on God's wisdom. Okay. Um, um, what do we have in common? We all believe the gospel, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised in accordance with the scriptures. And all these people that I'm talking about in this story, they were all at the funeral yesterday. Um, and we all rejoice in their salvation. And, um, and then Lisa showed me this morning, a friend of mine from college, that um, actually he was my best friend in high school. And... Um, and I don't really know where he's at with the Lord yet. In high school, neither one of us were believers. We just 
kind of got stoned together and everything. And um, I went to, he was a, I was a senior. He was one year behind me. I went to Clemson. I, I talked him into coming to Clemson too. I ended up becoming a believer at Clemson. My sophomore year, he didn't. And I had not kept up with him for all these years, just, you know, kind of befriended him on Facebook, like within the last year and started to see some things. I mean, he, he probably through one of his kids, there'd be stuff posted with his kids, like that they would, were going to like a youth group or something. And then I'd see a posting of like at the Casting Crowns concert, but then there'd be another posting at the Guns N' Roses concert, you know? And so, so it's, it's, it's like, um, but that, that, that's not too strange to me. After I got saved, I was like at the Michael W. Smith concert, and then, and then I was at the Van Halen concert. I mean, so it's like, um, you know, you, you, you slowly mature in Christ, you know? And, and, um, and so uh, it, it's just, uh, but this morning Lisa posted a like. It was like Scott Anchor's likes Life, the Life Church, Manassas, Virginia. Okay, so I, I looked it up, Life Church, and went to their beliefs. Their beliefs, almost identical to our Constitution, except how they do church, bright lights, big band, laser show, you know, everything. I mean, not the way that we necessarily would do church, but their beliefs right on down the line. You know, the Bible is the inerrant word of God. Gospel is the only way. Jesus Christ, the only way. I mean, just right on down the line. And, and, and my point here about this verse, again, just verse 27, is that a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. And, and you guys hear us say the word, we do desire and attempt to lead the elders in this church, this local body called Liberty Hills Bible Church, according to, you've heard us use the phrase, what's biblical and what's best. Um, you've heard us use that phrase. You've heard us use the phrase, all things biblical. And please understand, those phrases are not used in a manner to elevate or put some kind of superiority on, on LHBC. It is implied when these phrases are used that they are prefaced with, in our understanding and as we believe the Holy Spirit is leading us. Um, of course, most every Bible-believing church is also striving to do what's biblical and what's best in their understanding, and as they believe, the Holy Spirit is leading them also. And and so my point is, this is heavenly-minded thinking, providential thinking we need to have. And for example, you know, we're calling everyone to, you know, rally, you know, for Awana this fall. We want to use it as an outreach opportunity um, more than we have in the past. We want to Send, you know, canvas the neighborhoods uh, next uh, Sunday evening. Um, but if we launch our Awana this fall and we have five children, right? Um, and maybe one of us has a friend that we work with that goes to Pleasant Valley and we find out, wow, they have 500 children in their Awana program. Should we not rejoice that 505 children will be learning God's word this fall between the two churches? I'll answer that. Yes, we should. Yes, we should. Um, so do you remember, um, as we go on, um, John goes on to talk about um, 
the bride, the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. How many of you have been a uh, best man in a wedding? Okay. So um, were you not thrilled for your friend on that day? I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a thrilling, thrilling feeling. And, um, uh, and you probably did a lot of work, right? You probably did a lot of work behind the scenes. You had to pick up the tuxes. You had to take them back, collect them from all the guys. You, I don't know, you probably did a lot of log- logistical things on that day, you know, and, and we're running around and, and uh, you had to take care of the ring. That was a pretty big responsibility, you know, make sure you didn't lose that thing. Um, but why do you think John said the friend rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice? Think about it. At a wedding, I don't know about you guys. I mean, I get emotional. Did you not tear up when you heard your friend say his vows to his bride? I don't know. Maybe, maybe you guys are more manly or something, but I, I, I did. <laughs> Dave's shaking his head. No. Okay. <laughs> I'm just not a crier. That's yeah. All. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I mean, it was emotional for me, and 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 I, uh, you know, I, I did tear up when I heard the bridegroom's voice sharing those vows with his bride. But I think in John's case, the significance of Jesus's voice is found in John ten twenty seven, because. In John 10, 27, it says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So there's a significant, there's a much more significance to Jesus' voice than there is, you know, our best friend that we were, you know, the uh, best man in his wedding. There's a strong significance to Jesus' voice. And John the Baptist probably knew there was a strong significance to Jesus' voice, that when Jesus' voice came, that his sheep hear his voice, and he knows them, and they follow him. So that was utter joy for John to know that the bridegroom was on the earth, and his voice was now calling the sheep to himself. Um, So what is the significance of he must increase and I must decrease? Again, in the wedding as the best man, you did all these things on that big day, and you did them all behind the scenes. You know, you, 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 you were, it wasn't your day. It was, it was his day. Um, everything to make it to where the groom did not have to worry about anything. At least that, that's what I was thinking. I mean, when, when I was in that role, I was trying to make it to where the groom could just enjoy the day, not have to worry about all these little, you know, little things. And um, all they had to think about was to focus on enjoying the big day. Uh, and come that day, the spotlights were on the bride and groom, and I, honestly, the the best man was you know not remembered other than in the pictures. <laughs> um, so what we learn from, and honestly, yeah, does anyone not remember who their best man was? I guess you all you all do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what we learn from John the Baptist is that the greatest glories in this life are not in receiving attention or fame, but in funneling it all to Jesus. The key for the Christian life is to rejoice in whatever ministry we've been given. We never deserve to be a part of this story in the first place, but by God's grace, he has allowed us to play a part in it. This is why John was heavenly minded. John saw what God was doing in the world 
even though he wasn't at the center of it, and he embraced it. The same calling is now on all of us to rejoice in what God is doing in the world, whatever our individual role is, for better or worse, richer or poorer, in sickness or in health, until death brings us to God. And I just want to point out for clarity's sake, so that, you know, you don't think like, well, does that mean like I don't have any ambition at all then? You know, I, uh, there goes my ambitions. Am I saying that this is the end of all ambition in your life? No, but it needs to be ambition with true humility. And you will know if it is not, if it cannot gladly celebrate the success and flourishing of others. And that's what I'm, you know, talking about in some of these stories. And is the ambition aimed at the glory of Christ? So, um, anyway, we're, we're going we're gonna to kind of um, segue into our communion, communion time, but not, not quite yet, so don't come for it yet, man. But um, as, as he goes on, he says, um, I'm just going to point out a couple more verses that I think are important here. So important, actually. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. Um, this is my understanding of this verse. I mean, I sets his seal to this. I mean, I think of like, this could be wrong, I don't know, but like a signet ring, like back in the day, you know, if someone was signing something back then, you know, you'd have a ring and you'd have a seal on it, kind of like a, you think of a notary public these days, and they do like this and put their seal on that thing. So it's like whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, God is true. God is true. Um, Why is that important? Why is that important? Um, John the Baptist bore witness of Jesus. He says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus bore witness of God the Father. Okay? And um, says, Whoever receives his testimony, this is like Jesus coming down, sitting on the witness stand, saying, I am from above. God, there's a Father God in heaven, and he's you know, telling it like it is, everything he knows about what's going on with the Father in heaven, and um, that God is above all. You know, I created the world. Um, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. I'm going to die on the cross for the forgiveness of everyone's sins. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. Okay? What's the opposite of God is true? He's a liar. Okay? And the the hard part is, there's a lot of people these days, okay, and, and I, I think it's going to be more and more prevalent, okay, of people that, th- th- okay, there's whole churches today of people that would say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Christ, okay, but they don't receive his testimony, okay? They don't believe that Jesus performed miracles. They don't believe that he was raised from the dead. They don't believe in the resurrection, but they like some of the things that he said, okay? 
they liked some of the things he said, like, love your neighbor. They liked some of the things he said um, about give a cold cup of water, you know, to a stranger. Okay? There's whole churches like this, guys. There is a really big one in the Kansas City area that's like this. Okay? But they deny the resurrection. They um, deny miracles. And... Um, I'm just telling you, those people sitting in there would say, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a Christian. And uh, you just need to be aware that what that what they're saying really is that God is a liar. Okay? That God is not true. Okay? So, um, and, and to, to, to say it even further, what John says... And again, this comes back to John twenty thirty one. He says, I wrote these things that you might believe and that by believing you would have eternal life. He goes on to say, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives a spirit without measure. Utters the words of God. He whom God has sent utters the words of God. I don't know if you guys have a red letter edition of the Bible. But if I want to see, he whom he has sent utters the words of God. Okay? So I'm just going to look through the Gospels and the New Testament and look for all the red letters. He whom he sent was Jesus. All the red letters, words of God. All right? Words of God. I mean, so um, if the words of God say that he rose from the dead, which 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel... Christ died for our sins, was buried, rose on the third day. Um, it, it, it's that simple. And, and um, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And um, this is this word again, does not obey the Son, it's um, it's the same word. It's it's like the the opposite of the like the counter word to obey your leaders and submit to them in, in Hebrews ten, um, but it's not obey, and it's like it's it it's, it has this idea of not allow yourself to be persuaded to believe. Okay, so whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever does not allow yourself to be persuaded to believe in the Son, shall not see life. It's almost like like stiff-arming. It's almost like having an attitude of like, nope, I won't have any of that. I won't, ha- I won't hear it. I won't have any of it, God. I mean, uh, and, and that is a dangerous place to be. I mean, it's just like, it's kind of like people, someone who would say like, I'm seeking the truth. I'm on a quest for the truth but you will not allow your heart to be persuaded to believe, okay? I will seek the truth except for any truth that comes from the words of Jesus, okay? I'm on a quest for the truth, just not the words of Jesus, okay? Um, And that's not obeying the Son, not allowing yourself to be persuaded by this truth, okay? Okay. which is actually the, you know, which we, you know, we believe and we know is, is the actual truth and the real truth. So, um, and actually Jesus is the truth. So anyway, um,
Guys, I hope that um, uh, just these verses and some of these profound statements that you, that your takeaways this morning are that um, you understand that a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. To understand that God is a big God and he's doing things and we're not perfect. Other people aren't perfect. Other, I mean, when you see God do something and you're like, how did he do that? Why did he do that? Whatever. It's like, why does he do anything through a sinner? Why does he do anything through my life? You know, why does he do anything through this church? Why does he do anything through that church? Why does he do, um, because he's God, because he has mercy, because he's got a plan, because he wants to get glory, okay? Um, and um, just know that it wouldn't have happened unless it had been given from heaven, okay? It wouldn't happen unless it had been given from heaven. So um, we just need to rejoice in, 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 in what God is doing for the glory of God, for his glory. Do, will we rejoice in what he's doing for his glory? Um, and, then, and then finally, you know, will we believe deeper uh, as we believe his words and, and just staunchly receive, if we receive his testimony, we set our seal to this that God is true. I trust that those in this room have done that if you haven't, I just urge you to do that, to set your seal to this, that God is true because he is. And, you know, we just want that belief to be deeper and deeper and deeper.